Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bull Take Scouting Podcast. As always, we've got all our handles from all our different platforms up here, and this is currently being broadcasted live on uh, the East-West Football Network. And so today we're going to be doing a Senior Bowl review, and we're joined here by our special guest, Nathan, forgive me if I mispronounced my last name, Papandria. And um, Nathan's been down to the Senior Bowl uh, past few years, not this year because of COVID, but so he brings that insight on the Senior Bowl experience. So Nathan, how are you doing today? I'm good, guys. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited to be here. How are you guys? Very good. I'm good, yeah. We're excited to have you on. I'm excited to be here. Getting right into it. Um, just tell us a little bit about your your scouting background. Uh, we know you run a seventh round on Instagram, which is a very popular scouting page, put out a lot of good work. But just how did you get into the, the whole uh, draft industry and getting down to, to the senior bowl? Well, uh, I came to a conclusion probably junior year that I wasn't going to play football in the NFL or college football for that matter, because some of us just didn't win those genetic lottery. But um, so obviously wanting to stay in football because it's a passion of mine. I decided like to try to figure out like what avenues I could pursue in order to stay close to the sport. So I just realized I could write about prospects and I could meet new people and I could, you know, hopefully just network with as many people as possible and hopefully get a job in the business somewhere. So I realized that the senior bowl was the best option for that, I would say. And here we are. And I've been writing for seventh round. Now I'm at cover one and having the time of my life doing it. So that so, sounds great. Yeah. Um, I'll let you take, take it grab. Yeah, so, like, obviously, like we said, you've been down to the Senior Bowl a couple times. So what was, like, a typical day at the Senior Bowl like for you? So maybe, you know, during the, the days that they had practice, what was that like? Um, well, I'll go by year two because year one, you're a deer in headlights and you really don't know what to do with yourself. But <laughs> year two, I would say I, I would fly in on a Monday night because even though that was media day, that you know, being a student, you have to make some sacrifices and how long you can stay in. I had to sacrifice media day, but – I get there Monday night, Tuesday morning, I would say, and practices was, I think, last year at like 10.30 and like 12.30 or 12.30 and 3, something like that. So once you get to the field, you're there all day. You're there from the first practice through it, through the second practice. So that's like a six and a half hour day for you right there. Um, and then something I figured out last year was that the Renaissance Hotel, the home of the players, everyone's just like sitting around. Everyone, you know, John Gruden will come in. Matt Patricia will be standing next to you. And that's really your welcome to the senior bowl moment, honestly. But yeah, so you go at the hotel, you talk to whoever will listen to you, you enjoy the surroundings. And like you guys, like if you guys went, you'll find that the people you meet on draft media and draft Twitter and Instagram, they're probably there too. And they're looking for the same things that you are. So it's basically a giant job fair for you, the players, coaches, and anyone looking to make it in the football industry. So it's a 12 hour day. <laughs> Yeah, well, talking about, like, everything that goes on, like, in your couple of years of the Senior Bowl, what would you, like, say come to mind as, like, a couple of your – the highlights, like, really the, the, the most significant moments in, the, in those couple of years? Oh, well, for starters, my welcome to the Senior Bowl moment was year one because, like, you know, we all love football and we've all watched it our entire lives. So you idolize guys like John Gruden and the Shanahan, like, system and all that. So I remember the first practice of the first year that I went, I was right behind the car that John Gruden took to practice – and John Gruden opened the door right in front of me. And I was like, what? Like, I was like, that's John Gruden? And I was like, I was like shell-shocked. And then, you know, you slowly realize like that just becomes like a normality and, you know, you have to get used to it. And then you just start getting like comfortable with the surroundings and it just becomes like that basically every day for the whole week. So that cool. And um, honestly, the hotel and just like really watching like all the players like meet with agents and meet with scouts because it all happens right in front of your eyes. 
So, I mean, seeing everything go down in the process behind it is probably the coolest part for me. So I know you've, you've mentioned to me a few times about a few of the notable uh, NFL names that you've been able to have even a conversation with. What, who would you say was like your – I don't want to put you on the spot and say your favorite person, but who have you had the most notable conversation with at the Senior Bowl? Um, well, I, I met Drew Locke a few times. That was probably a good experience. I met his father. That was a fun one. Um, he was probably when I talked to the most, but like I took an escalator with Justin Herbert. Um, Matt Hurt, the New York Giants left tackle, was like meeting like an agent, like a couple like steps in front of me. Uh, I saw Jalen Hurts a couple steps in front of me. So I'd say those are the big guys that really like gave me like that wow factor. But yeah, those are those were the fun ones. I know you're an Oregon fan, so that must have been uh, must have been a big fanboy experience being in the elevator with with Justin Herbert. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, for sure. It never. Yeah, I can't. Yeah, I can't even imagine. But wait, so my question for you is like, because so many of these guys, you watch them on tape, they're obviously like like big, impressive guys, and you see the measurables, you see like a six five, like. 250 or whatever so like who were like those those couple players in the in those two years you were down there where you saw them on person you were like wow now now that that's a football player just just wondering about like who really passed the eye test i think an easy answer would be javon kinlaw um i saw javon kinlaw last year and he probably has one of the most impressive defensive tackle body types that i've ever seen um he is like all of six five he's 320 he's muscled up everywhere He's long, like, and just watching him move in space and move in person, I think, was probably the most rewarding part of just evaluating him. Um, that's a big one for me, for sure. Yeah, and more of like the the, the scouting perspective. Have did you like did going down there ever really like change your opinion on a player? Like sometimes you see them like up close and personal on on the senior bowl practice field, and would you ever like maybe like tweak your opinion or think twice about a guy because of your uh, experiences down there? Um. Well, I would say I was always on the Justin Herbert train. I always was. And, like, I, I, I'm proud of that evaluative um, victory to this day. But seeing him in person, I think, really, like, pushed forward my appeal on him because, I mean, obviously the arm talent was there on film. Obviously, his, you know, he was a big quarterback. He has all the tools. But I think when you watch him move and when you watch him throw in person and you just see that he's all of 6'6", he's all of 240, and you just see how, like, the ball comes off of his arm, that really propelled me to, like, push my eval forward on him and really, you know, push him on to anyone that I talked to because I, you knew that he was going to be a franchise quarterback to me just by watching him throw the ball at practice. Yeah. And I imagine like with the quarterbacks, especially you can really see outside of ex exactly how they play. You could probably also see like their command of, of the offense, how like guys who they've never been around, like gravitate towards them and all that. So that, that must be a big advantage in, in that respect. Well, yeah, and, and with that, I mean, everyone used to remember, say, like, the Justin Herbert didn't know how to command the huddle. Justin Herbert was too introverted, right? But then, like, you're right. Like, the most invaluable part of the senior bowl is just watching how they stretch with teammates, how he celebrates with teammates after a one-on-one, -on -one, or how Jalen Hurts, you know, c commands the huddle and how when everyone comes out, everyone knows where they are and where they're supposed to be lined up. And so I feel like the most invaluable part of quarterbacks is not what you could see tangibly, but, like, intangibly how they interact with their teammates and how they get people on the field set up for success. So that's definitely true. Yeah, and I know Costa and I have had that, a similar conversation to that, um, especially when we were doing our quarterback uh, podcast a few weeks ago. And we said that, you know, you can see as much as you can see on film, but there's a point that, you know, film doesn't show you their intangibles, doesn't show you how much of a leader they are and, you know, how they can interact with um, their teammates. And that's such an integral part 
of obviously being on any uh, football team, but especially the quarterback position. So I can just imagine how valuable, you know, actually being able to be there, um, watching them uh, perform, especially with players that they've never played with before. That just must, that must just really separate guys from, you know, guys that, okay, they have the mental makeup to be a quarterback in the NFL versus, you know, guys that, you know, maybe they don't, they don't have it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honestly, it, it can be said with any position and, Honestly, too, the best part about it is you have all the people there for the, looking for the same information and the same, you know, things that you are. So, I mean, if you're going there to really figure out how Justin Herbert commands a huddle, you'll have 10 people standing right next to you who are looking for the same thing and who have a different opinion on it. So, I mean, even from like your own growth and like your own standpoint as like a draft scout or as like someone who's really looking to make it in the media football industry, you're going there and you're learning and you're testing your knowledge and you're testing your limits at the same time, too. So it's not just the players. It's a job fair and a evaluation for everyone involved. So I just have a last question about your senior bowl experience. Um, Was there any times, I know we talked about seeing guys in person that made you change your evaluation. Was there any time that you had a conversation with, you know, maybe another scout or someone there and they either swayed your opinion to like a player more or even dislike a player more? Yeah, I can't remember names off the top of my head because I'm telling you senior bowl, everything's a whirlwind and you talk to a lot of people in a day. But I remember people around me really made me think about Jalen Hurts in a different manner because obviously when, when you're evaluating quarterbacks, you look at like, all right, size, arm talent, you know, the standard traits. But then you look at Jalen Hurts, a guy who, you know, might not have the biggest arm on the planet, who, you know, might not be the most prototypical. But then you get guys around you who really open your eyes to the fact that he can command a huddle, he can get the ball where it needs to be, and he could extend with his legs. And I think I undervalued that until I went to the Senior Bowl last year. And then when I just saw how he handled himself and when I saw, you know, how other people viewed him, I went back and I really felt like my viewpoint changed a little bit just because I feel like I was undervaluing the things that I should have been valuing to the same level of everything else. Yeah, I think that that's really a terrific example. And that's kind of like where other other scouts like like Alex and I, we, we haven't gotten to go to the senior bowl last few years. It's kind of like we're on the outside looking in. So I, I definitely hope we can get down to Mobile in the, in the next few years and really take advantage of everything it has to offer because that, that really does sound like a great experience uh, just as a scout and in general. And to move on to this year's Senior Bowl, because we, we want to, the rest of this segment, review uh, the, the week that's just happened, especially with the added importance, given that there will, right now there's no plans for an NFL combine. Um, so who are the, we're just going to go around the three of us. Uh, you can start off, Nathan. Who do you think were like the, the two or three guys that really stood out and improved their draft stocks as w- winners of this senior bowl? Well, I'm going to start with a, with a D3 guy and, and being a former lineman myself, I have a big appreciation for the big uglies, but, um, Quinn Maynard's had a fantastic week. I mean, being a D3 guy, you never know how they're going to acclimate into these competitive, you know, highly touted division one environments. And, you know, he came in there and he had two pancakes on the first day, one on like a highly regarded defensive tackle in uh, Levi and Wuzurike. So I think that opened a lot of people's eyes, including my own. Um, he pushed around Oso Digizua for a little bit and the toughness he played with, um, his fashion sense, keeping the gut out. I mean, that opened some eyes for sure. And, you know, you hear that he broke his hand and then he was fighting with Brian, Brian Flores to let him play in the game. He didn't end up playing, but the toughness to break your hand in an all-star practice and to want to continue it and compete in the game, I think that opened a lot of eyes. And so I think his trajectory could be similar to a guy like Ben Barch, who played a good, good amount with the Jaguars this year. I mean, to a higher extent, we could even say Ali Marpet, who was a D3 offensive lineman and who's what, been a two-time uh, All-Pro for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So that's one. And then the other one, is Dwayne Eskridge from Western Michigan. 
Um, last year at the Senior Bowl, I had the privilege of seeing Antonio Gibson play, and his explosiveness and gadget versatility and his ability to just to be a Swiss Army knife anywhere you line him up on the field. I think that the NFL executive eyes to how valuable that is and how valuable it is to have a person who can catch, who can run, and with 4-3 speed. And Dwayne Eskridge was clocked in at 4-3-3, I think, in a uh, junior pro day. So, you know, going to be a highly touted, I think, day two player. And I think this week really helped him prove to be that. So those are my top two. All right. So I'll, I'll take uh, my top two next. So uh, my first one was Richie Grant, uh, the safety from UCF. And I think uh, I was – I think I had probably about a early, early third round, late second round grade on him uh, before the Senior Bowl. But he just he had a great Senior Bowl all around. Um, if you if you just went through draft Twitter uh, all weekend, you could see everybody at the Senior Bowl was raving about this guy. Um, he he made plays uh, day after day. Um, I'm pretty sure he had the unofficial uh, stat for practices of leading in interceptions. And I think, you know, he, he just showed his knack for being around the ball and making plays. And, you know, I think he really uh, bumped up his draft stock. And I'm seeing people talk about him, you know, as maybe a, a mid to early round two pick um, just because of his performance at the senior bowl. Um, and then my, my other one um, is Des Patrick, the wide receiver from uh, Louisville and I honestly, I haven't um, watched too much tape on him besides what I saw in the Senior Bowl, but I just know that a lot of people uh, was were raving about um, how he played in practice and how he ran routes, and then especially in the game, um, he really showed up and just showed um, his ability. And I know he, there was a, a play where he got wide open on what would have been the a 40 or 50 yard touchdown. Um, and I, I can't remember what quarterback was throwing him the ball, but they just completely missed him. So he just, he just showed um, his, some of his deep set ability. So I think he's another one that really, you know, bumped up his draft stock and really helped himself uh, with the senior ball. Yeah. And so for my two guys, I think I would definitely be picking the same ones that, that Nathan did. I know, I know uh, Dwayne Eskridge was somebody that I actually had a, a second round grade on heading into the senior ball. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone else uh, kind of, got on that train <laughs> right from day one as he was just beating guys like, like a drum. And, but to, to pick two new names, uh, Kay Johnson, I think was a guy who really impressed coming from South Dakota state. The senior bowl was definitely like a, a very big uh, event for him, given that he really didn't go against top competition, but I thought he did a really good job of consistently getting open with it, with his routes and, and, uh, and showing off good hands and run after the catch ability to, with that burst to separate. I, th- I, th- I think he's just, he's a well-rounded slot receiver and he's somebody that I'm grading at the, as a late second, early third round guy, because I just, I think he's going to be a very solid slot receiver in the NFL. And then there's, there's no turning that down in, in that draft range. And I think my other, my other uh, winner that I would like to talk about is Michael Carter, the, the running back from UNC. I had a third round grade on Michael Carter heading in, and I think he definitely uh, maintained that. And I, because he just showed that he's such a dynamic, explosive runner. And while he might not be able to, he definitely won't be a workhorse because he's really got kind of a slight, he does have a slight frame for, for a running back. But we saw the one two punch that he formed with Javante Williams at UNC. And Williams is another guy that, that I love, but I think Carter's shown that he can, he can actually be a 1B in, in a 1A, 1B system in the NFL because he just gives you that, that, that that special burst and athleticism to to give you a 
big plays uh, from the position. So I think that he's another winner. He, he did. I do think he needs to improve his pass protection, but at his, at his size, he's never really going to be asked to, to stay there and, and block a, a, an incoming blitzer very often. So I think that those two would be my, my uh, winners. Yeah. And I just wanted to bring up, I know we're talking about the senior bowl, but you brought up Javante Williams and you had Carter as one of your winners. And it, it's just really impressive. Uh, the two running backs that UNC had this year and, they, they're both going to be day two picks, I, I, I would think. I ha, I know you said you have them both great as day two picks. Uh, so do I. Um, and it's just it's just really impressive, um, let alone, you know, there's probably five running backs, five or six guys that go um, in the first two days. And then for the same school to have two of them in the same year, it's just, it's just really impressive. Um, so I think uh, we can move on now and we can talk about some guys that – Either disappointed or dropped their draft stock uh, over over the week over the Senior Bowl week. Who's going first? You can you can take it off. Oh, okay. Um, to start, I mean, I'm going to talk about a guy who I think could still be starter in the National Football League, and I think his performance got blown up a little bit out of proportion, but. Deontay Brown, I would say, had a tough week. I mean, he came in at 6'3", 364 pounds, and he wowed all the measurables, but. Um, you really saw his limited mobility this week and his like hip tightness and just how heavy footed he is. And I mean, no one's asking Deontay Brown to be Pat Elfline or, you know, Garrett Bradbury or anything like that. And, you know, be athletic. But I think when you look at a guy with limited mobility and limited schematic um, projection, I think it does cause some red flags for some people. And I do think Deontay Brown can be a great starter. I think Damian Lewis from LSU last year was a really good example about how a heavier guy can flourish in a limited scheme. So as long as you don't ask him to pull out on slip screens or, you know, go up to the second level too, too often, if you have a gap scheme, a power scheme, and you just ask him to block downhill, I think he can still be a good starter for you. But I think this week definitely opened up some red flags on him, even though he did have three years of really solid tape. So I think this is one of those examples that even though he had a disappointing week, you have to weigh it with what tape he put up against on the best of the best that he played in the SEC every week. So that's one. And then two, you know, a guy that I was high on last year on the draft cycle, but he kind of weighted down on me a little bit was Alar Jackson from Iowa. Um, you know, he's a, he's a toolsy kid. He's an athlete. He can, you know, he's shown he can play the position well, but I felt like this week he just didn't look very comfortable in his past sets and he, he had a tough time in one-on-one. So I do think he could start, whether it's on the left or right side, that's, you know, remains to be seen, but I think he just didn't look comfortable. He didn't handle power very well. His, his feet were all over the place. So, you know, I know he can do it and I still think he could start, but I think this week, again, definitely opened up some red flags on his skill set and the way he pass protects. Cause in the end, a tackle's best trade is pass protection. So those are my two. Yeah. I have to say for, well, I, I'm actually – I like both Brown and Jackson, so I was kind of disappointed by by their performances. But I do think that Deontay Brown, it, I don't think it's as much a knock on just his general ability, but just more that it might, might really be a knock on his scheme versatility and that you really – if you, you want to get the best out of him, you have, you have to put him in a power – a running scheme where you can really keep him in a phone booth because he's going to dominate guys in in a small area. He's got overwhelming power and size, and so I still think he in in the second round draft range he'd be he'd be good a good pick for for any for a team that that's really willing to use him like that. And for Jackson, I think that just highlights what I think a lot of us knew already knew coming in is that I, I don't think Jackson's a tackle at the next level. I think Jackson is is a guy who slides into guard because I, he's not he I don't think he's He's comfortable enough, as you said, with his pass sets on an island to really seal off the edge and, and stop a, an edge rusher. So I think if he kicks into guard, then he can have a, a successful career. And so to, to give you my two guys on on guys who really 
decrease their draft stock. My first one would be Marvin Wilson. I think that he, he had a down year in, in 2020. This is a guy we were thinking might be a first round pick, but he really, he disappeared in some stretches and I, and he didn't show much at the senior ball to reverse that. And so he, he's, his draft stock has just been in free fall for a while and he, he didn't take the opportunity. He had to save it. And really my, I think the biggest loser for me is Jamie Newman. Jamie Newman was a guy who a lot of scouts had interest in because he, he's got, he's got the raw skills. He's, 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 he's got a live arm. He's got a lot of running ability, but he just never put it together in, into consistent, good quarterback play. He never really took care of the ball, never really got consistent accuracy and ball placement. And he, he didn't show much of that at the senior ball after missing the whole season, which he opted out of, which was really disappointing given that he's such a raw prospect. And some people were thinking that maybe it was, he was scared of losing that quarterback competition at Georgia after transferring from Wake Forest. But for me, I, I think he, he really needed to show a lot more. And he actually regressed over the week. He was he was better on Tuesday than he was on Wednesday or Thursday. And he, he did not look like a guy you can take anywhere near the day two, day three turn. And so I, I think that when I, if a team isn't taking a shot at him to seriously develop him into a future quarterback for them, he could fall so far because he's not a guy that you can you look at right now and you're like, that's a really good backup in the NFL. So for me, Jamie Newman's week was just really disappointing and his his draft stock just plummeted. Yeah, I know uh, Newman was a was a guy that I was pretty low on. Uh, I early early when we uh, started our Instagram page, I had posted a scouting report on him. Um, and like like Costa said, it was it was pretty much he's got all these intangibles. He's got a really good arm, but he just never put any of the any of the the intangible parts together. His, you know, he's throwing the ball all over the place. His accuracy was not very good, and like like you said, Costa, he he regressed over the week, which you ne- you don't expect from anyone. You expect, you know, maybe you look a little rough on the first day. You're playing with all new guys. Okay, it's that's kind of expected. The guys that are great on day one are the guys that stand out, but. Newman's best day was his first day, and that's just a really big, really big red flag. And it's it's unfortunate, but I think you know that's something that you know we I I might have seen coming. You know, I just I don't really expect him to have any potential to start at the next level. Um, so I'll hop into uh, my three uh, disappointments or guys that you know drop drop their draft stock a little bit. The first one I'll talk on, touch on is. Uh, Hamsa Nasiruldi, I cannot say his name. <laughs> Nasiruldin, um, the safety from Florida State, and you know, unfortunately, he he had the torn ACL. I'm pretty sure um, it was it was the knee injury, and and so this was the first time we're seeing him, you know, post op, and we we're really hoping to see the things that he flashed before um, his injury, so his athleticism um, and his range, and he he really did not show that. Um, at the senior bowl, he showed that, you know, he can play in the box, you know, come down, make tackles. But the issue was he could not move backwards. He could not move laterally. And especially with the fact that, you know, he just had the injury and those were some of his not biggest positives, but those were things that, you know, he, he showed that he had before he tore his ACL. And, you know, that's just, it's just really disappointing to see somebody that, you know, probably had potential and probably I think for me at a mid mid to late second round grade and just seeing that stuff I I just I don't think I can have him in that second second round uh range now because those things really really were some of his positives and became negatives now um and I think another guy was Spencer Brown um he's a, a small school tackle from 
from Northern Iowa, and he he was one of the the two that we had brought up um, on the Instagram page before that we said you know a guy to look out for and see how they they play against uh, the D1 uh, FBS talent and. You know, unlike Quinn Marinez, you know he he didn't really step up to uh, step up to the task. Um, I think he looked a little bit overwhelmed, and I I think he still has potential, but I just think he's going to need a bigger um, or a longer transition period to get used to um, the the talent jump. And the last guy that I'll bring up, not somebody that really disappointed, but somebody whose stock dropped a little bit because. Coming into the Senior Bowl, I think most people thought of Dylan Lindas uh, from North Dakota State as a tackle. Um, but I think after the Senior Bowl, I was seeing a lot of people talk about the fact that he's probably going to have to move into guard. And just just the fact moving from tackle to guard, that's going to make your draft stock drop a little bit. Um, so it's nothing against his performance. It's just that's where he fits to the next level, and that's going to make your draft stock drop a little bit. Yeah, and so now moving on to a question I think that a lot of people are going to want to hear the answers to because he's just a high-profile guy. Mac Jones, the, the quarterback from Alabama who recently won a national championship after a, a Heisman finalist season at, at, at Bama. Um, let's just talk about his week and then maybe afterwards talk about our thoughts uh, on him. I, I know I know my thoughts on him. I know your thoughts, Alex, but I'd, I'd be interested to, to hear what Nathan thinks about him as a prospect. So. Nathan, if you just want to start off with with just uh, how you thought Mac Jones performed uh, at the Senior Bowl, well, I really thought he had an exceptional week. Honestly, I mean, he came in and you know you knew he was going to ace the playbook, and you knew he was a four four point GPA student at Alabama. So I don't think the you know the mental aptitude that it was take to relay those long verbiage plays, I don't think that was ever going to be an issue. So he checked that box. Um, Matt Rule came out and said that he was an exceptional leader, that he has all the right traits, and he was early to meetings. He took all the notes. So, and it sounds minuscule and menial, but those are the things that people are really looking for at the senior bowl beyond the play. It's can you be a professional and can you handle everything that comes with it? So he checked that box and on the field, he looked in command. He didn't force the ball anywhere that it didn't need to go. He made smart decisions. He made accurate choice. He threw the ball accurately. And so, I mean, I also feel like he showed a little more mobility than we saw from him in college. In Alabama, you saw a lot of like schemed bootlegs and, you know, half field reads and, and whatnot. But I feel like, at the senior bowl this week, I was really impressed seeing him like escape structure. And if it's not there, like step up in the pocket and evade, you know, interior traffic. So I think that actually surprised a lot of people, including myself. So I was really happy with the week he had. And, and while I think he's like an early, early second round guy, just based off, you know, quarterback value and what he can do at the position. I think if you see a team draft him in the twenties or the 19, I wouldn't really bat an eye. And I also know because quarterback situations are so needy across the league it, it would make sense to me and I feel like everything he did this week contributed to him being thought of in that area so yeah yeah so I know uh, Mac Jones is a guy that both me and Costa are a little a little lower on um, I would say than you and definitely than consensus um, we have him as both you know third round guys and he's he's my fifth quarterback and Costa, he was your sixth. I don't know if the senior bowl changed your opinion. But like you said, Nate, I was I wait, was wait. that was sixth. That was sixth before Carson Strong announced he's going back to school. Just to clarify. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, that, that bumps him up with, with Carson Strong returning to, to Nevada. Go ahead. Yeah. So um um what I was saying was I was I was really impressed with um his senior bowl. I think you know he showed the things that I would have expected. You know, he made smart decisions, and that's what we saw at Alabama. He didn't, um, you know, make poor decisions, throw interceptions. 
But I think, you know, he really showed that he could command a team and lead a team. Um, and I think he showed that he was really well. Uh, he was good with being on page with receivers that he played with for two, three days. So that really impressed me. And I think, you know, that's going to make me bump up my grade of him a little bit. Um, and he's definitely going to be uh, solidly ahead of Kyle Trask now, you know, who had the injury so he couldn't play um, in the senior bowl. So that was unfortunate for him. But that doesn't change my overall opinion that, you know, I think Jones is probably just a spot starter. I don't see him being somebody that's going to be a 10-year solid starter in the league. Um, and, Costa, I know you think similar opinions uh, as me. So what do you think of his uh, senior bowl? Well, first, I just I just want to talk about this strictly the senior bowl. He was by far the best quarterback in attendance. I do think this was an, a very underwhelming senior ball quarterback class. Just watching so many of the one-on-ones, I was just a lot of the times the wide receiver would run a great route, get open. I just see I see the ball ten yards away from him, and I so and I know some of some of the guys there like Sam Ellinger and and Jamie Newman and Felipe Franks. They're really just late round guys, and they they didn't they didn't do much to to prove otherwise. So that also helped. Mac Jones uh, shined next to all those guys who are really just not future NFL starters by any means. But at the same time, he did, he had a great week, and he, he he definitely showed that he can have that chemistry with 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 guys who are going up against NFL talent equal to them instead of his Super Bowl or not Super Bowl All Star class that he had at at Alabama with all those uh, first round talents. Um, and I think, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to probably bump him up a little bit, maybe from the mid to late third to like the early to mid third in my, in my actual grade. But at the end of the day, I still think that he's not a franchise quarterback in the next level. I think that he's got mediocre physical traits. Even if he, even if he showed more mobility than we thought he had, he still, he doesn't have a, the strongest arm. He's not the most athletic. And for, for a guy of his physical, uh, traits, I think he'd have to, He'd have to compensate for that with with his with his mental game more than he does. I think that um, a lot his ball placement for me, like when I watched on tape, I I thought it was way more spotty than than people really ever talk about. I thought that his his supporting cast really bailed him out sometimes, and a lot of people like to say that, but I, I do think it's true that that the talent around him elevated him, and not and not vice versa. Um, I thought that he really threw the ball uh, against pressure that he wasn't really aware of. Um, a little too often, and uh, and I really I really think that he's he's just he doesn't have any trait that that makes me think that he's going to be a franchise quarterback that you can really even if you coach him up to 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 be to be able to feel the rush better to be able to throw a more accurate ball I say he's still does he's not still not a dynamic passer to me. My comparison for him is one I actually like a lot. I think my comparison for Mac Jones is Case Keenum. I think that that's really how we could see Mac Jones playing out the next level. I think that Keenum is a guy who, if you we've seen it, if you put him in a, in a perfect situation, or not even even a little less than perfect, but if you put him in a situation where he's got good talent around him and and you're making him uh, just throw the ball to where to where the guys are open, he can lead a team and, and down a really good stretch like like he did uh, in in the playoffs with the Vikings. Um, and I think I just don't think he Mac Jones is a starter uh, every single year as a franchise quarterback for a team, and so that that's just my analysis of him. But I do I definitely do think this year ball helped him helped his chances of being a first rounder with teams like the Washington Football Team, the Chicago Bears, the Indianapolis Colts, the Pittsburgh Steelers. There are just so many teams in that back half of the first round that need a quarterback that or, or a long term option, and that don't have one right now. That I think one of those teams is going to take Mac Jones in round one. 
And yeah, I think I think like honestly, Mac Jones. Out of I've probably been really like doing these players for like three years now. Like seriously, like me writing notes in like my little Google Docs like four years ago that don't even make sense doesn't really count. But he's honestly one of the hardest quarterback evaluations that I've ever done because, like I said earlier, you're going and you're seeing these guys and you're looking like, okay, prototypical size. He doesn't check that box. He's like six two two ten and you know prototypical mobility and prototypical arm talent and he doesn't really fit any of those. So like it's really one of those things, and he also has you know three first round wide receivers if you count John Mechie, who I'm sure we'll talk about in a year from now. So I think where he projects though is like you're right, his his arm talent is nothing special, um, but mentally speaking, I mean you look at guys like the Washington Football Team, and where was their big divorce with Haskins is that he didn't really know how to run their system, handle their system, and he also couldn't handle the mature aspects of being a professional. So guys like that who have a roster that's ready in other areas and who can't afford to wait on a guy like Alex Smith, because we don't know where Alex Smith is health-wise, or, um, you know, Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke, which I don't think any of us thought was ever going to be the answer. But he's a guy who can come in for a couple of years, run that system, you know, get the ball where it needs to be as, like, a game manager type, and win them some football games. And I think – like, I agree, Costa. I don't think he's going to come in and transcend the league with his talents. I don't think he's going to be anything more than a real game manager who can put the ball in different places, but – I think the team like the Washington football team, like you said, I think he can come in and elevate the rest of the roster to the best of his ability year one and be a spot starter for a few years and emerge into being a backup when a better option comes available. So I agree. Yeah, so we just we just had a, a quick question come up. Um, here, I'll, I'll throw it on the screen. Um, it says, what do, what do we think of the 2022 uh, class? And I, I know I haven't done um, much much watching at all. Um, and I think we can just, you know, throw off maybe a couple quarterback names. So obviously, you know, we have the top four quarterbacks uh, going most likely to the top 10. Um, and then so, you know, maybe some quarterbacks, if there's a team that says, you know, we don't like Mac Jones, um, you know, maybe we'll wait for the 2022 class and maybe just throw, rattle off maybe two or three names that really come to mind that, you know, we'll be looking at for 2022 to say this guy might be the top quarterback. Um, Kasa, if you do you have anybody off the top of your head that you just want to throw? Yeah, up? yeah. I think for me, what what really what I think of in the twenty twenty two QB classes, there for me, there's a lot of uncertainty. Right? Really, like last year, we knew a lot of people were thinking Lawrence Fields and Zach Wilson emerged, and or Lawrence Fields um, Lance, and then Zach Wilson emerged and joined them. Right now, there's really no pecking order, which really makes the quarterback class so interesting. I think you've got you got Sam Howell is probably the the, the one that people are considering above others. You got Kadon Slovis from from USC. You've got Spencer Rattler. Wait, he is he going to be eligible next year? Yeah, he'll be eligible. yeah, he will be. Spencer yeah. Rattler from uh, from Oklahoma. You've got uh, I think Carson Strong is a guy that I want to highlight because I'm a big Carson Strong fan. I was watching him. Uh, um, over a winter break in December, because I, I thought he might declare this year. Um, and I think that he, he's a guy who's improved so much in his two years. He's got a, an elite arm. He can really drop it like in the bucket from from 50 yards out. And and he's his I think his only real knock on in terms of something you can't coach is that he's just not very mobile. But he can really sling it from 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 inside the pocket. And I think that as he like learns, as he just gets more of a feel for the game, he and I think he will next year. He's going to keep improving. He's going to be a first round prospect for me. And so just like with with all those names, you've got uh, I'll just just to recap, you've got uh, Howell, Slovis, Rattler, um, Desmond Ritter. 
who I'm not a big fan of, but we'll see how he improves next year. Carson Strong, there's just so many names that that that'll potentially pop up as 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 top guys next year. Yeah, I agree with you. You said I think it's it's really fluid. There's no, I mean, I think right now Howell's, you know, he's probably number one on majority of boards, but I you never know what's gonna happen in a year. Obviously, like you said, Zach Wilson, uh 20, 2019, he didn't have, really have a great season. Um, and then 2020, he just hopped onto the screen and really impressed everyone. And similarly in 2019 with Joe Burrow. So there's always that I don't want to say threat, but possibility that somebody that people were thinking, you know, this guy's a fifth round, sixth round pick at best, jump onto the screen um, and they just impress everybody and they're the top top five talent. Um, but for me, I think, you know, Howell's um, number one on a lot of people's boards. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, by the end of the 2022 uh, college season, I wouldn't be surprised if Spencer Rattler uh, was number one. I think people will really be intrigued by his, his mobility. Um, and I think the second half of the season at Oklahoma, he really started to show um, that he matured a little bit and was starting to get a better hold um, of the offense and offense. Uh, obviously, he has Lincoln Riley as his head coach, so that's only going to help him. Yeah, and honestly, I'm, I'm with you guys. I, I mean, besides the quarterbacks, I haven't done a ton of work. I'm, I'm neck deep in these 2021 guys right now, but – um, I think two non-QB guys that just come to the top of my head. And again, there's probably guys I'm missing, but Kayvon Thibodeau, defensive end from Oregon. Um, he declare next year because next year he's a true junior. But um, I think with the type of t- first two seasons he's had in the college, you know, career he's put together so far, and I think what he's going to do next year, I think he'll be, you know, possibly a top ten pick because, you know, what what's the NFL looking for every year? It's guys who can get to the passers, the Mahomes, the Jacksons, and you know, all the new guys emerging and. I think Kevon Thibodeau is a guy who we're going to be talking a lot about in the next year, for sure. And another guy, honestly, I felt we'd be talking about like right now as like a you know a senior bowl guy or uh, maybe first round at wide receiver is Chris Olave. I remember watching him at the end of the year and thinking that he was going to be a surefire slot receiver at the next level and that he might be in the first round discussion because, again, he played really well for the limited time that he got to play. But, you know, he decided to return to school. So I think he'll definitely be in the wide receiver one conversation come next April. Yeah, yeah I know. He was like, it was a big surprise that he was going back to school. I think that um, I, it really, for me, I, I don't, I don't know if he's going to improve his stock that much. I thought he was more, he's probably going to be a, a late first round guy, but I, I, you seem to think that he can vault himself into that wide receiver one conversation. So I guess we'll see if it, if it pays off for him, the decision to return. Yeah. And just a, a few other guys, um, just to throw out um, Evan Neal, the, the tackle from Alabama. Um, I know in the, in the national championship game, there were, people were talking about him being, you know, a potential top three pick. And I, I remember in watching some Alabama games, he was just really, really impressive. And then um, obviously Stingley, the cornerback from LSU, uh, I think he's really showed that, you know, he could be a, a top 10 pick. And Justin Ross, the receiver from Clemson, who really, really showed up as a true freshman with Trevor Lawrence and then he had that unfortunate neck injury and then he couldn't play this year and people weren't sure if he was ever going to be able to play football again. Um, and you know, he's, he's coming back he's going back to Clemson and he's, he's able to play. So I'll definitely love to see um, what he can do. Yo, yeah. I, I really hope that he, he's back to his, his former self because he, he's, he was an impressive wide receiver. Um, so, and just getting back into the, the 2021 draft class and to, to really wrap up this, this senior ball coverage, um, let's just go around and who's one senior ball guy that we haven't talked about yet. Who's really an under the radar guy that, that you like in this draft class, Nathan. 
Uh, for me, it's uh, Dante Smith, offensive tackle from Eastern Carolina. He didn't play in the game on Saturday because I think he had a sprained thumb or a sprained wrist or something like that. But I think throughout the week, we really got to see that he is someone that teams are going to be looking at. He has 35-inch arms. He's 6'5". And on last year's roster, he was only listed at 275 pounds, which is you know an obvious obvious red flag for NFL teams evaluating future offensive linemen. But he bulked up to 300 pounds, and he's 6'5", with 35-inch arms and an 85-inch wingspan. So he has all the traits and tools that people desire. And you come out and you look at one-on-ones, and you watch how easy he moves. He's an easy glider. He's super athletic out of his stance, and he actually has really advanced hands for someone who I find still to be raw in certain intricacies of the position. So I think Dante Smith, while still raw and while still has work to do, I feel like he can put himself in the Ezra Cleveland, Brian O'Neill type offensive tackle mold where he could be athletic and hold up against the speed rushers in the NFL. Yeah, so my guy is someone that kind of had a, had a down week. I know we, we highlighted him um, on our Instagram page, but Ramondre Stevenson – um, the running back from, from Oklahoma, and he's just a guy that – he's just the kind of running back that I like. I like guys that are bulldozers, guys that will run people over. You know, maybe they don't have game-breaking speed, but if you give them the ball, they're they're going to break two, three tackles and just play play, play hard, play angry, and just look to run people over. And I, I think, you know, with how the, the NFL offenses are expanding and you have so many different roles for so many different guys, I – I think that he might be able to just find a, find a role on a roster where, you know, he's he's not going to be a starter, but, you know, a guy where, all right, we need these tough yards. They're going to give him the ball, and he's just going to run through everybody. Kind of like, you know, like what a fullback was in the 80s. Um, I think it, it could, you know, be a, a modern-day fullback almost where he's he's a running back, but he's a guy that we're going to give the ball to, and we need to get two, three yards on on third down or even fourth down now with all the, all the teams going for it on fourth and one, fourth and two. I think he could be a guy that could really carve out a role for himself um, as just a power back. And, you know, sometimes these guys just have one or two big games and then just start to put together games and have a really good season. So he's a guy that I like to keep my eye out on for. And that's, that's more because of I like the style of play that he has. But Casa, what would you say about your under-the-radar guy? Yeah, so for me, I know the small school scene is really big in, in producing some some top level NFL wide receivers. I know over the years we've had Antonio Brown come out of Central Michigan. We've had a Kenny Galladay come out of Northern uh, Illinois. We've had Cooper Cup come out of Eastern Illinois, and um, I know the the latter two. Galladay really impressed, not the Senior Bowl because he didn't get an invite, but at the East-West uh, Shrine game, which unfortunately couldn't happen this year. And Cooper Cup really impressed at the Senior Bowl. So I think that the guy who could be next in line is Austin Watkins, the, the receiver from uh, UAB, the University of Alabama, Birmingham. For me, he he's, he's, he's really checks all the boxes. He's big at 6'3". He's got a good speed to, to, threat, to threaten downfield. Uh, he's got good route running, and that that's something that was – kind of more in flashes on tape, but that he turned into something that he showcased at the senior bowl. He, I thought he was just, and he, for me, the fluidity he has at that size on top of the speed is so impressive because watching his senior bowl tape, but he was just, just setting guys up with, with his, with his routes in just the most fluid manner and getting past them downfield with speed. He's just, he, he's, he's a guy who I, I think hey, where he needs to improve is, is just the nuances of getting open in the, on the first and second level, but he could really develop into, into a, a star receiver. There's so much upside in, in Austin Watkins. And so I have him in, in the second round uh, range with, with my grade. And I, I love Austin Watkins. He's my under the radar guy. Yeah, and that, that about wraps up our Senior Bowl review. Um, thanks, everyone, that, that tuned in and listened. Thanks, everybody, that's uh, watching later.
on our podcast or on YouTube. Um, thanks to Nathan uh, for coming down um, and jo- joining us today. Um, and be sure to check him out. Um, seventh round on Instagram. It's a fairly big Instagram account, so I'm pretty sure you've heard about it. Um, but you know, with all that said, you know that's that's it from us. Uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, and uh, be sure to check back uh, next week.